Long History Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 1 The Hunt for the Northwest Passage in Henry Hudson's Own Words Hello and welcome to Long History again. Here at Long History we take historic source documents and split them up into chunks of around 10 minutes or so. Each episode should stand on its own, but of course you can go back and listen to the full context. 16 episodes of this particular series will already have been released, so feel free to explore. And there are 25 episodes in total in this series. So please don't forget to subscribe to be informed of when the rest of those episodes are released. Now I've got lots of source documents on long history, written by eyewitnesses to journeys such as Magellan's first voyage around the world, Francis Drake's voyage around the world, and other documents by many other explorers. Here, however, we're covering Henry Hudson's diverse voyages and northern discoveries. There are four voyages in total, and we've already looked at Henry Hudson's attempt to find a route to the Far East via the North Pole, the Northeast, and in the previous voyage, his exploration of the North American coast, and particularly the Hudson River area. And this is the first part of Henry Hudson's final voyage. And from here the document gets slightly more complicated. In particular, in this first episode, we'll hear Henry Hudson's own words. So this is his own description of his own voyage. And then, for reasons which will become apparent, in the next episode we'll begin to look at the same voyage in much more detail. Written by a man who, without giving spoilers, participated in all of the voyage. And he had the amazing name of Abacook Prickett. So here we go with Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 1, The Hunt for the Northwest Passage, in Henry Hudson's own words. An abstract of the journal of Master Henry Hudson. For the discovery of the Northwest Passage, begun the 17th of April, 1610, ended with his end being treacherously exposed by some of the company. The 17th of April, 1610, we break ground and went down from St. Catherine's Pool and fell down to Blackwall, and so plied down with the ships to Lee, which was the two-and-twentieth day. The two-and-twentieth I caused Master Colburn to be put into a pink bound for London, with my letter to the adventurers, importing the reason wherefore I so put him out of the ship and so plied forth. The 2nd of May, the wind southerly, at even, we were thwart of Flamborough Head. The 5th, we were at the Isles of Orkney, and here I set the north end of the needle and the north end of the fly, all warm. The 6th, we were in the latitude of 59 degrees 22 minutes, and there perceived that the north end of Scotland, Orkney and Shetland are not so northerly as is commonly set down. The eighth day, we saw Far Islands in the latitude of 62 degrees, 24 minutes. The eleventh day, we fell with the easter part of Iceland, and then, plying along the southern part of the land, we came to Westmany, being the fifteenth day, and still plied about the main island until the last of May, with contrary winds, and we got some fowls of diverse sorts. The first day of June, we put to sea out of an harbour in the westernmost part of Iceland, and so plied to the westward in the latitude of 66 degrees 34 minutes, 
and the second day plied and found ourselves in 65 degrees 57 minutes with little wind easterly. The third day we found ourselves in 65 degrees 30 minutes with wind at northeast. A little before this we sailed near some ice. The fourth day we saw Groenland over the ice perfectly and this night the sun went down due north and rose north-northeast. So plying, the fifth day we were in 65 degrees, still encumbered with much ice, which hung upon the coast of Groenland. The ninth day we were off Frobisher's Straits, and the wind northerly, and plied unto the south-westwards until the fifteenth day. The fifteenth day we were in sight of the land, in latitude 59 degrees 27 minutes, which was called, by Captain John Davis, desolation, and found the error of the former laying down of that land. And then, running to the northwestward until the 20th day, we found the ship in 60 degrees 42 minutes and saw much ice, and many ripplings or overfalls, and a strong stream setting from east-south-east to west-northwest. The one and twenty, two and twenty, and three and twenty days, with the wind variable, we plied to the northwestward in sight of much ice, into the height of sixty-two degrees twenty-nine minutes. The four and twenty and five and twenty days, sailing to the westward about midnight, we saw land north, which was suddenly lost again. So we ran still to the westward in 62 degrees 17 minutes. The 5th of July we plied up upon the southern side, troubled with much ice in seeking the shore until the 5th day of July. We observed that day in 59 degrees 16 minutes. Then we plied off the shore again until the 8th day, and then found the height of the pole in 60 degrees no minutes. Here we saw the land from the northwest by west half northerly until the southwest by west covered with snow, a champagne land, and called it Desire Provoketh. We still plied up to the westward, as the land and ice would suffer until the eleventh day, when fearing a storm, we anchored by three rocky islands in uncertain depth, between two and nine fathoms and found it an harbour insufficient by reason of sunken rocks, one of which was, next morning, two fathoms above water. We called them the Isles of God's Mercies. The water floweth here better than four fathoms. The flood cometh from the north, flowing eight the changed day. The latitude in this place is sixty-two degrees nine minutes. Then, plying to the southwestward, the sixteenth day, we were in the latitude of fifty-eight degrees fifty minutes, but found ourselves embayed with land and had much ice. And we plied to the northwestward until the nineteenth day, and then we found by observation the height of the pole in sixty-one degrees twenty-four minutes, and saw the land which I named Hold with Hope. Hence I plied to the northwestward still until the one and twentieth day with the wind variable. 
Here I found the sea more grown than any we had since we left England. The three-and-twentieth day, by observation, the height of the pole was 61 degrees 33 minutes. The five-and-twentieth day, we saw the land and named it Magna Britannia. The six-and-twentieth day, we observed and found the latitude in 62 degrees 44 minutes. The eight-and-twentieth day, we were in the height of 63 degrees 10 minutes and plied southerly of the west. The one-and-thirtieth day, plying to the westward, at noon we found ourselves in 62 degrees 24 minutes. The 1st of August we had sight of the northern shore, from the north by east to the west by south of us. The north part 12 leagues and the wester part 20 leagues from us. And we had no ground there at 180 fathoms. And I think I saw land on the sun side, but could not make it perfectly, bearing east-north-east. Here I found the latitude 62 degrees 50 minutes. The second day we had sight of a fair headland on the northern shore six leagues off, which I called Salisbury's Foreland. We ran from them west-south-west 14 leagues, in the midway of which we were suddenly come into a great and whirling sea, whether caused by meeting of two streams or an overfall I know not. Thence, sailing west and south seven leagues farther, we were in the mouth of a strait and sounded, and no ground at hundred fathoms, the strait being there not above two leagues broad in the passage in this wester part, which, from the easter part of Fretham Davis, is distant two hundred and fifty leagues thereabout. The third day we put through the narrow passage, after our men had been on land, which had well observed there that the flood did come from the north, flowing by the shore five fathoms. The head of this entrance on the south side I named Cape Warsenholm, and the head on the northwester shore I called Cape Diggs. After we had sailed with an easterly wind, west and by south ten leagues, the land fell away to the southward, and the other isles and land left us to the westward. Then I observed and found the ship, at noon, in 61 degrees 20 minutes, and a sea to the westward. And so there, Henry Hudson's own account and his own voyages come to an end. But as I said in the next episode, we'll listen to Abercock Prickett's version of events. And just to summarise the whole journey in this document, Hudson headed up the east coast of Great Britain, they passed the Orkney Islands to the north of Scotland, then they passed what they called the Far Islands, which are today's Faroe Islands on the way to Iceland, then they reach Iceland itself, including what they call the West Money Islands, which are just to the south of the Icelandic mainland, I'm not sure of their name today, then they head on to Groenland as they call it, or today's Greenland, and then they head to North Canadian waters, off the shore of today's Newfoundland and Labrador, and then over to Quebec, through today's Hudson Strait, and then on to Hudson Bay. And Hudson gives out a lot of names as he goes, and as far as I can see, a couple of those names still stick today, particularly Salisbury Island at the entrance of Hudson Bay, 
and a place that I'm not sure how to pronounce, which could be Wollstone Hume or Wollstone Home, at the very north of Quebec on the Canadian mainland. And it's interesting to note that Henry Hudson's account here is remarkably free of detail, as were many of his other journeys, preferring to give details of dates and locations rather than telling us what is happening on the ship. And that perhaps becomes particularly revealing when Abacock Brickett's version of events begins. And especially when we begin to understand what happened to Henry Hudson, we can only begin to imagine what Henry Hudson is hiding in all these technical details. So please don't forget to subscribe to be informed of Abacook Prickett's version of events when they are released. And if you know of anyone who would be interested in listening to the very source documents themselves, please do share this episode. And please do like it if you can in any way before moving on. So thank you for listening to Henry Hudson, Voyage 4, Part 1, The Hunt for the Northwest Passage in Henry Hudson's own words. Goodbye.